Podcast. Hold on to your butt. Come on, sucker. Let's get it on. Oh, you want to fight? You want to fight? I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. You don't know anybody named Iris? I don't know nobody named Iris. Can I have a piece of toast? I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Western demands. How could you do this to me? Really, I want to know. Why did you do that? What you feel only matters to you. Step back for one minute and look at the big picture. And that's all. No, no, not for the real fire. The orphans bond a family that very few can understand. Help me. Help you. <laughs> I don't do drugs. Or Whatever Movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I am your co-host Iris and I am here with my older brother. Wesley. How did, I can't do Billie Holiday's voice. <laughs> Wesley. <laughs> Wesley. It's like Macy Gray. Wesley. <laughs> you kind of sound like. <laughs> like the ghost of a grandma yeah grandma like today we're talking the united states versus billy holiday streaming on hulu was the united states versus billy holiday what you expected not at all but i didn't know Me what neither. to expect it was literally a title and that's all i knew about it an intriguing title at that so you weren't a billy holiday fan going into this it's not that I, I'm not that I have anything against her. It's just like we got this impression that we were supposed to come to this with a level of awe that we want to follow Billie Holiday because she's Billie Holiday and a movie about her deserves some credence and with no basis in a Billie Holiday fandom or even for Strange Fruit, which was the song of the century. Uh, never heard the title. Don't recall ever hearing any of the lyrics. So that on me. Well, undoubtedly an important song, right? And I'm glad I'm grateful that it's now on my radar. I kind of approached Billie Holiday like like Cher from Clueless. Clueless. <laughs> Which is actually one of my only references as well, substantive <laughs> references. Do you like Billie Holiday? I love him. <laughs> I came in a little cold too. But like I said, an intriguing title. The United States versus Billie Holiday, the actual case plays a very minor role in this story but a but a large metaphorical role in the in that thesis of this film is that the united states the special agents was it the fbi uh it was the fbi yes because they were talking about being under hoover the fbi and harry anslinger were after her i mean the u.s government was after her and seemed to hound her and chastise her and yeah really harangue her for her entire kind of tragic life if the movies are to be believed one of Hoover's primary failings, being the director of the FBI at the time, is that he didn't like the black people and really wanted to make them not happy. We saw him in more prominence in Judas and the Black Messiah. And so for Billie Holiday to be vilified for Strange Fruit and to be investigated is one thing, but it seems like they had a wealth of resources or something or they were misallocated because we have this dedicated Anslinger guy who is gunning for her and who seemed to me to be like the Jesse Plemons character in Judas and the Black Messiah and that he's ever present. Like, what are you going to do today? That Billie Holiday thing again? That's kind of my gig until she's in prison or dead or whatever. A little bit more white devil 
than the Jesse Plemons character. Yes, but it, it seemed to be by implication that he didn't really do anything terrible. He seemed kind of a lackey to me. I didn't feel any threat from Anslinger. I mean, they would boot down her door and all that stuff. But Jimmy Fletcher character was maybe more villainous in that he was a traitor and then came around and became part of her posse or whatever. But, you know, he was the turn. He set out to destroy her and then was convinced. And that was meant to be her redemption in a way. Her motivations for singing Strange Fruit were pretty well justified, but she's definitely a tragic character. Talk about tragic. The darkest opening in a movie that I can recall. Really? I mean, that opening scene where it's like a Billie Holiday movie and she's going to be singing and there's going to be sequins and, and jazz clubs and stuff. And then there were like lynchings and didn't pass and the burned black body. And you're like, holy crap. So that was immediately an unexpected turn. Not unexpected for the sentiment this movie is striving for, but going in blind wasn't at all what I was anticipating. Even the really sexy sex scene was kind of dark. Take it easy with sexy sex scene. I'm going to go with the most unsexy sex scene since leaving Las Vegas. <laughs> uh, why were they there? Why was this movie there in this way? It was so gratuitous and unnecessarily. It was like, put some stank on it. It was like, ugh. it was kind of like unnecessarily nasty. <laughs> <laughs> this one was in your face. In your face and in your nose, like Francis McDormand sex scene. No man land. <laughs> Stinky sex. <clears throat> it was just, it was sweaty and unnecessarily graphic. And it was almost as though they were deliberately, because to be honest, my conception of Billie Holiday was a stately, refined, beloved jazz singer in a, in a club in a sequin dress with her hair all done and when this movie portrays her as anything but she was crass and disturbed and haunted by her drug addiction and an addict yeah and kind of thoroughly unpleasant i felt like we were supposed to be enamored with the idea of billy holiday and lee daniels wanted to turn that idea on its head but from what i've been able to gather from my research billy holiday doesn't have a definitive backstory relatively little is known about her the documents don't exist to create a convincing portrait and so lee daniels has the ability to twist certain things to amplify certain things to make her a central figure in a newly hatched civil rights movement i mean this is probably what 30 years when this started preceding the, the the events that we've seen recently depicted in movies this year and he can say and do whatever he wants and what he chose to say and do with Billie Holiday was a little bit confounding to me did you like her were we supposed to like her I think we were supposed to sympathize for her he definitely takes her off her pedestal and I keep coming back to the word tragic I think that maybe we're supposed to largely sympathize with her because she was such an incredible talent and such an incredible source of strength for the black community and yet riddled with anxiety and so hounded by the government. And she so tragically died at such a young age. She was just this candle that never really got a chance to shine and then was snuffed out. Thanks for saying that because Billie Holiday, of course, while she died tragically at a young age, as you put it, was exactly my age when she died. Of course, because you have to equate it with your experience. 
I measure the success and the trajectory of certain people for doing what they do, and then they're gone. You're like, man, all that by the time that they reached my age and they're gone, and I haven't done anything. You've done or whatever movies for over a year and a half. Or whatever movies. I'm sure that this podcast and this episode in particular will stand the test of time. This is my legacy. <laughs> I mean, Godzilla versus Kong has already proved itself to be a lasting artifact of your bad judgment. So Yeah, my Hulu movie in twenty fifty four will be the cancel culture versus Wesley. <laughs> um she covered a lot of ground in her 44 years and she suffered a lot i have to admit it's a little hard to be totally sympathetic for her when she made some bad decisions especially with regards to drug use and 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 the men that she allowed into her life even the jimmy fletcher romance relationship seemed misguided you mean like, all the men anybody who would walk down the stairs this is not an attempt to slut shame, but the way this movie was put together, it was like, who's that man walking down the stairs? I don't know, but I'm going to have sex with that dude, probably marry him, get all tangled up and make the other dudes jealous. It seemed like every person was introduced so she could get into a relationship with them. Including the, the active FBI agent who was put on her case to bring her down. Yep. And I get it that he had his turn, but he was still there at the final arrest. On her deathbed. And with all the other guys, with Joe and the boxer and all that stuff, it was like a stage play in that it's time for this character to be on stage. And the other person is going to stand off to the side with hands on hips while the other person is monologuing. And then when it's time, they'll suddenly spring into motion and say, hey, 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 what are you doing here? Kind of thing. And then that person would move out of the spotlight and then the boxer guy would be in the spotlight and he'd be like, come on, baby, it's time to do this or this, you know? And it just seemed like there were all these dudes waiting in the wings. And again, not to say anything about her personal life, because not only did we span, what, 30 years of her life, I can't be 100% sure, but it seemed like the timeline was all over the place. And if that wasn't the case. Pretty linear to me. They went pretty heavy with the transition fades or whatever, the blends, and the editing was all over the place for me. I feel like I endured the tragedy and the haze and the confusion and the upset of Billie Holiday's life through this terrible editing and pacing. For someone who is so, at least in terms of her singing and her artistic contribution, she is so strong and she's so resilient. She certainly gets beaten up a lot. So please understand that we're talking about, I'm talking about my fullest concept of Billie Holiday, which is exactly this movie. Beyond that, I know that she was a lounge singer or a jazz singer in the 30s. I didn't know about her political activism, which even then was barely there. It was sort of trumped up. There's no evidence that anybody actually harassed her for Strange Fruit. She was never dragged off stage, as far as anyone can tell, for performing Strange Fruit. It seemed to be a civil rights anthem, or it became that, or it was you know, at the very outset, and certainly she had things to say, but I don't know that she was a deliberate agitator. She certainly never considered herself an activist. As Lee Daniels put it, she was maybe just trying to do the things that were right. The point I'm making is that when I make light of her life or the tragic things that continually appear to have happened, I mean, from what I can tell, her childhood was rife with all that. We got some of the backstory with her mom and trying to have her mom have her turn tricks on her own, you know, and all I know about her of this movie and this movie didn't take me for the ride that I, I wanted to go on or a ride that I felt was neatly in place after it was over. 
if I make light, it's really of the portrayal of this movie of her, of the character and not for her undoubtedly tragic and yet still significant. Her catalog is fully available to this day. Just I, I don't know about her. And what I got was maybe not the best introduction. Are you saying that this movie is actually factually incorrect? I'm saying that there's not enough evidence, none of the documentation to support a lot of Lee Daniels' trumped up claims or his projection of her. She is a symbol of a movement that didn't have a name yet. And she's been kind of plugged in to this year's movie sensibilities and molded to fit appropriately. Because in the movie, she's literally dragged off stage for singing Strange Fruit in front of a large audience. Strange Fruit was on the set list for that evening, for what we can tell, that she performed, but there is no evidence that she was pulled off stage. I mean, despite there being thousands of people in the auditorium, you'd, seen, you'd think that could be validated. I think that was invented for this movie. Uh, there is a historical record that someone yelled a racial slur at her in the middle of her performance, and she got really angry. And uh, maybe she even stormed off stage. But in this case, you know, it's, it would have seemed obvious that it was a point of historical record that there were to be 30 cops ringing the theater. I wonder if they paid for admission or if you get in just because you have a badge. Right. And maybe some of them were secretly Billie Holiday fans. But they were also extremely ineffectual. Does the headliner uh, walk out the front door under the marquee and get into the waiting cab? Or does she maybe load into her car through the back door. You would think they approached the stage from the house and that she would get dragged off stage and she made a pretty clean getaway and didn't get stopped. Nobody blocking the alley, anything like that. It seemed contrived and maybe made up. She didn't seem in much of a hurry either when she got into that getaway car. And I was like, okay, she so she didn't get arrested. She made it out of there. Okay. Ineffectual police work, which is typical of fictitious cops. Not again, not trying to downplay her actual story. Definitely terrible things happened, but the way this movie was handled in general was kind of not my favorite ride. The message still stands, even if the events portrayed aren't factual. Right? She was still persecuted for her song and she stubbornly continued to sing it. And even if she wasn't dragged off stage, she still was an, an activist. Um, and even maybe even if she wasn't a self-proclaimed activist, the people certainly saw her that way. There are you know, accounts that she would perform for a packed house who came to see her sing, but who wouldn't share an elevator with her. Right. Like she had to use the freight elevators. Very a la in One Night in Miami where Jim Brown is, you know, where Bo Bridges is like, you're the best, but you can't come in my house. You're like, what? Right. We'll bring the lemonade out to you. Exactly. I guess my point is, while we have some historical context, I'm confounded by the choices that Lee Daniels made and that we're surrounding her by all these colorful characters who are larger than life. I mean, big personalities in her entourage and stuff. But yeah. it didn't make me like her anymore in that we're definitely supposed to take sides. In the fight of the United States versus Billie Holiday, we were supposed to be sympathetic of Billie Holiday, as was demonstrated by the turn that the character of Jimmy Fletcher made. But one of his earliest encounters with her was when she canceled their performance and he goes to find out about the death in her family and she's mourning the loss of her dog. Right. Are we... Is it supposed to be funny? Were we supposed to mock her or not take her seriously? The entire thing felt slight, like melodrama, and I wasn't sure 
exactly what we were shooting for. And hmm. so I questioned Lee Daniels. I didn't see the butler for which he was, you know, heavily touted by people like Oprah. But I went back and I was shocked to find that he directed Monsters Ball, which was a much more understated, subversive movie. Also with really graphic nudity. So I guess I shouldn't have been surprised there. Um, her friendship with Tulula Bankhead, I don't know how substantive that was. Mm -hmm. I knew who Tulula Bankhead was through mom, but otherwise that character was there for a name and then she disappeared. Why and, did you know about her through mom? Well, because mom is a, f a huge fan of all the 50s movie stars. <laughs> and uh and oh and she was on and Tallulah Bankhead was discussed in I Love Lucy of course exactly that's that was my reference so we got we're, we're coming at this movie from I Love Lucy and from Clueless it's our entry <laughs> it's embarrassing <laughs> but the choices that they made to have this person come to have Tallulah Bankhead come into the movie just to establish her as being friends with the richest and powerful uh, maybe they had a personal relationship don't know but there were some things that were omitted that, again, speaks to these choices that Lee Daniels made. And that was apparently she was a close friend of Frank Sinatra, who visited her not once but many times on her deathbed, who at one point allegedly, although he was anti-drug himself, I think Sinatra was more about the booze, brought heroin to her room to ease her suffering. No mention whatsoever of the Frank Sinatra character. And these choices were just strange to me. I didn't understand this movie in large part. I mean, did you like Judy Garland in Judy? Not at all. No, but she she wasn't supposed to be. I think that these movies, they're turning America's sweethearts on their head. They're giving us a totally different look. We're not seeing their stage presence. We're seeing what's happening behind the scenes. I don't think that we were intended to necessarily like Billie Holiday. I think we were supposed to understand her. And I think in understanding where she came from and what she endured in her short lifetime, you can really sympathize for what she was able to achieve. It's kind of incredible considering what she endured. And I think that was what we were supposed to take away from the United States versus Billie Holiday. I, I think that's what we were supposed to take away, too. I think that's very much what Lee Daniels wanted. What I think we got was a character who was a little bit too abrasive to be sympathetic. It reminded me of lesser shows that I worked on where instead of making the quality of the content good, the network executives would give us notes like, just make it more like a music video, make it flashier. And so we would put all these dumb filters on it and use all these effects to make what was not great feel sharper, to feel more impactful. I mean, you, you would think, I guess if you were going to see this done right, this idea of this drug haze and fades and they did that extraordinary scene. I'm not sure if extraordinary is the right word where she leaves the tour bus and witnesses the aftermath of the lynching and stumbles into that house, which then becomes a part of her childhood or, or her or no, she went, goes into the drug den, which is in the house that she was stumbling through. Likewise, Jimmy Fletcher had his bad trip, I guess, was through her childhood and glimpsing some of the traumas that she endured. Those stylistic devices are intensely complicated and probably pretty taxing for Andrew Day, who is stumbling and crying and being horrified throughout while they do subtle lighting changes and have people running in and out to change places and change the setting, right? To make it look like a continuous nightmare that's happening. Yeah. And they probably have to film those over and over again. But it was a lot of flash and not a lot of substance. This was like 20 years prior. This was like the black marvelous mrs Maisel. 
except way funnier. That was a bag on Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, by the way. Which was as amazing camera work and is hugely complicated based around a comedy that's never been funny. So you're saying that this is gimmicky, which is interesting because they certainly didn't cut corners on this on this film. No, they didn't at all. I think I know where you're going, but please continue. No, no. <laughs> where am I going? We follow her sort of stumbling through her life in her tortured uh, addict existence through the decades we had five seconds of her stumbling through this incredibly expensive shot of Times Square. The yes. Times Square of like the 40s or the 50s maybe even. In the rain, in her fancy dress and heels. That didn't feel like green screen to me. It didn't feel like a Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah, Chicago backdrop. Right? This like digitized or matte painting backdrop. And it was, however they did it, it was convincing and it wasn't cheap. And I've often marveled at the marvelous Mrs. Maisel budget and how they can justify the undoubted millions of dollars they're spending per episode for what they ultimately deliver, which is not a whole lot, in my opinion. Maybe it was trying to be a couple of different things at the same time. It was trying to be this sweeping period epic. It was trying to be this character tragedy piece. But they also had this interesting interview device. What did you think about the device with the interviewer? And Billie Holiday, ostensibly near the end of her life. Who I thought was A, a woman, and B, was Margot Martindale. And I was wrong on both counts. You mean the Leslie Jordan Reginald character? Sounds like Margot Martindale, but it wasn't. And I said, so this lady, is she supposed to be famous? Is she supposed to be someone that we know? And Kelly said, I don't think that's a she. And I was like, it's absolutely... The lady named Reginald? Look, maybe I was completely wrong about this movie because also what's his nuts? Whoever. Sorry, I don't remember who it was at that point who was handling Miss Freddie, Billy, the character Miss Freddie played by Miss Lawrence. So, OK, so that would explain then why Miss Freddie leaned over that other character who was interviewing and called him bitch like God is one question, bitch or whatever. And I was like, so that's obviously a lady, but not. And I get it, what's happening now, but no. It was <laughs> inconsequential to me. It wasn't strong enough exposition to really justify its existence. And it came in and out, and I was like, oh, we're still in that, that interview, huh? At the end of the movie, because it was established <laughs> at the beginning. And then we would drop it for a half an hour or an hour or two at a time. It was pretty inconsistently utilized. But I think the Reginald Lord Divine character was, is kind of supposed to represent us and our ignorance about Billie Holiday. Like, Maybe that's the case. Definitely ignorant. So ignorant. So oblivious. Asking really dumb questions. And obviously misled when, as we see Billie Holiday's life unfold. Maybe I completely missed the bus on this one. I wrote down um, Jimmy Fletcher's quote to Harry Anslinger, which was, you hate her because she's strong, beautiful, and black. I thought, is that why we're supposed to love Billie Holiday? And maybe this is the risk-taking biopic that other people deserve, the people who aren't all shiny and pretty at all times and who don't monologue and say all the right things at the right times, like Cynthia Erivo and Harriet, but was gritty and sometimes unpleasant and unflinching in its look at a flawed life. There's a natural contradiction that comes to mind when you think of hero and victim. Um, I think that she was primarily a victim, but was heroic in her reaction against all the injustice that she endured. She couldn't really be anything other than what she was because of what she endured. 
This is a true tragedy of the black experience that perhaps we can't really understand. Maybe, but does Lee Daniels understand it? And was this his intended picture? Did the FBI not know that Jimmy Fletcher would inevitably go all almost famous? Like, don't make friends with the rock stars, except he's totally going to make friends with the rock star. And they were fully aware of it. They're staking him out and watching him go into her, her hotel room. Why let him continue? He's only going to muck up the operation once he deviates from the agenda that the FBI has. I don't understand why he was still an active agent on this case when he had obviously, he was obviously going to compromise. And he's talking to her when she's in prison and saying they wanted me to bring you down and now they want me to bring you down again. I'm letting you know so that you don't let that happen. It sounds like you agree on a thematic level, but that the movie itself is flawed. movie was pretty bad. Right, but it still manages to convey the most important things, the theme, the thesis, giving you a completely new understanding of Billie Holiday as an icon. Like It succeeds on some levels, but it's obviously a very flawed film. Was this a good movie? I'm going with no. But there's real basis to the message movies that we've reviewed where you have to, if you understand anything, it's that Teflon is bad and torture is bad. But what's the message for this movie that we had to battle through? Is the message Strange Fruit? Because this being my introduction to Billie Holiday as well as Strange Fruit, if she wasn't actually a civil rights activist, maybe there wasn't a civil rights movement for her to take place in, in a galvanized sense as we know it, you know, later in time, like Judas and the Black Messiah or Trial of the Chicago 7 or any of the other movies about the era, Malcolm X and any of the stuff for the, for the movies that are based around that if that's not the case, then what did this push forward? We got the Billie Holiday movie that was unflinching and, and really meant to show us who this person was, but I didn't delve into her catalog. I didn't listen to Strange Fruit. I don't know if that's what her voice sounds like. My concept at the moment of Billie Holiday is entirely Andra Day. I've since found that she's a musician and has several albums and, and knows a lot of people, but I didn't know who this person was, and I didn't know who Billie Holiday was supposed to be, so all of these Im images are synonymous with the name as far as I was concerned. And so when I looked up Billie Holiday for the purposes of this review, I was like, oh, that's what she looks like? I had no idea. Hmm. She was apparently portrayed by Diana Ross, and there was Oscar stuff involved in that movie. But Andra Day actually took her name, her stage name, the Day part from the Lady Day part of Billie Holiday. So there's a cool connection there. I mean, Andrew Day, not a seasoned actor. I mean, a seasoned performer, it sounds like, but this is her eighth role to date. She said to Jimmy Fallon, I've turned down this role several times because I am, present tense, not an actor. Well, you're an actor now, that's for sure. I think that she wholeheartedly went for it and left nothing on the table except for her clothes in this movie, but... She was all about it, and I'm not sure that this will garner the love for the performance in the same way that it did for Judy, which was also a flawed movie, but was such a standout performance. You're like, wow, because Andrew Day is a singer, did sing those songs. But Billie Holiday is confounding because people are like, I love her so much. She's been around for, you know, the better part of a century. And her singing voice didn't sound all that remarkable to me. It was like Elvis, that effortless thing where you're like, why are you famous? Or he's like, yeah, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for coming out. And this one called Love Me Tender. Love Me Tender. And you're like, that's just you talking. 
I don't know about you. I'm I'm putting Billie Holiday in the rotation. I'm going to tell Paloma all about her. Uh, flawed movie for me, but I do think still very important in terms of my overall education as a human being. I, I, I don't know that I'm with you on this one, Wes. I'm going to have to give The United States versus Billie Holiday a good. Hazy slog of love and hate and drug addiction, and it was very sad to watch frustratingly put together. For that reason, I'm going to go with a whatever. I'm sure there can and will be better movies about Billie Holiday, if for nothing else, because they'll be like, I mean, we had to do it right because we saw that piece of crap. <laughs> and there you got it. That's our review on the United States versus Billie Holiday, currently available on Hulu. Um, I think people are going to come at you, bro, for this one. 818-835-0473 or whatever movies at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Thank you for listening to our review. I hope you will enjoy it amongst the 100 plus others available wherever you find podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Electric Acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for The, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Electric Acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Electric Acid.